Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. We're very glad you're with us. We're going to now um, continue on in the series we're doing on the church. We took the last couple of weeks and really focused in on Christmas and what Christmas was all about, and uh, um, that's been a lot of fun, and we've had some great uh, meetings together and, and uh, really have enjoyed the season. I, as I have told you, I love the Christmas season um, and what it's all about. We had a fantastic Christmas Eve service, uh, two of them. Uh, the first one at five, we had like 500 people here, and then the second one was a little over 300. It didn't split quite right, so the first one, they were up against the walls, but uh, it was cool, but it made some really, really neat pictures. I don't know if you've seen them, but if you have social media, it was up on the Facebook page. I mean, there's some fantastic pictures of everybody holding candles. See that many people um, worshiping Jesus was a very, very cool experience. So very happy to have had that. And uh, uh, probably next year we'll have to go to three on Christmas Eve services to get everybody in comfortably. But we had a lot of fun. Um, and we celebrate Jesus, and we sort of celebrate Jesus all the time. That's what we do. And the church is all about that as well. And so we've spent a lot of time actually in this series on the church and um, in our discussions sort of catch some of you up and, and uh, review for everyone else um, what we've been talking about is that the church, um, whenever you read about the church in the New Testament, it's always about people. Um, the, the, it's either referring to the saints of all time from the time of Jesus till now or it's referring to a specific group of um, believers in a, in, a, in a certain place. And that's always the church. So it's always about people. And so um, the reality is that we're the church. You're the church. You're, right now we're the church gathered corporately, but when you leave those doors, you're still the church. Nothing changes. You are still the church 24-7, and this is the way that we're to operate in life. And that I think it's important to sort of hang on to that understanding um, because it makes the way that we do things different. It makes us look at things differently. Church is not something that we do. We are the church. And there's a significant difference in the approach that you take from that understanding. So we are the church. And because the church is us, we're the, it's all about people, um, it has a lot to do with relationships. And it has to do with our relationship with God, our relationship with the people of God, and our relationship with the future people of God. And we have said that those relationships are developed in the context of worship, discipleship, fellowship, and mission. Now, in the beginning of this series, in the first, um, I think, 11 parts, we've already, we've covered worship, discipleship, and fellowship. Today, I want to launch into the end of this series over the next few weeks, and we're going to talk about mission, um, purpose, why we're here, what we're doing, um, why it's so important, and that, that, that it's, this is sort of the the heart of things that are going on around us, the, the, the reason we exist, and, and, you know, sort of why we're not just kind of zapped up into heaven the moment we get saved is that we have purpose. We have a mission that we're all called to. It's part of the overall dynamic plan of God, and it's a fantastic plan. And because people in the church have had mission all along, we're here because they've been doing their mission. And, and this is sort of the, um, you know, for all time, we're going to be involved in worship, um, for all time as believers we'll be involved in fellowship um, and, and as far as I know we'll, we'll, we'll still be having some sort of discipleship going on. I don't know what that looks like. Maybe we're all perfect. We don't need it. But mission is the one thing that we have that the church that's gone on ahead of us is done with at this point because they've, they've already done their part. So th this is what we have left. Everything else we're, gonna, we're getting practiced on because we'll be doing it forever. This is our, you know, specific calling um, as, as people now is, is the idea of mission and purpose and why we're here and how important that is. So I want to talk about that with you today. 
Um, that's the intro. There's always a transition with a bad joke. I had a couple of bad, th- bad thoughts, different thoughts, stupid thoughts, whatever you want to call them. A New Year's resolution is something that goes in one year and out the other. Yeah. I like this too. Youth, this is good. And see how many of this this relates to. Youth is when you're allowed to stay up late on New Year's Eve. Middle age is when you're forced to. <laughs> I haven't seen a New Year's Eve and I can't remember how long. I can't make it. I, I set out to make it and seriously, I'm, a, I'm an early riser. So like 9 o'clock, 9.30, I'm done. I'm like, yeah, well, there goes another one. It'll be here in the morning. And uh, so that's the difference. But I like that. Do you remember? Maybe some of you aren't like me, but that's just me. I can't do it. I will, unless something weird happens, I will not be up at midnight on the, and it's just not going to happen. Unless I'm, you know, have gone to sleep for a few hours and have woken up. Anyway, scripture reading here on purpose. This is out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 through 21. These verses are the, the, hold the core of our mission as a church, I believe. And, um, and we've picked up a lot of things from these verses, and that's what we're going to be talking about in the next four weeks. 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 21. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it's also plain to your conscience. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we're in our right mind, it's for you. For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So in this passage of Scripture, I believe it really sets the course for us as a church. Um, We defined our mission statement some years ago. I wanted a mission statement. We prayed about a mission statement that everybody could remember that I could bring up enough in the uh, sort of course of our weekends that, that it would stick with people. So if anyone ever asked you, what's the vineyard all about? What is that church about? What's the church's mission? That you would, you would be able to get to it. And if you don't know it by now, our mission is one more. Just that, one more. One more lost child back to dad, um, one more. And, and it, it, um, uh, my hope is that you have figured that even that little cafe place back there is uno mas, cafe. That's one more. Uh, it's all, it's everywhere that we do. And uh, that's the, it's the, the sort of the heart and the soul of uh, what we do as a church. We're, we're trying to do whatever we can to reach out so that we can get one more child back to dad. That's, that's, what, that's what it's all about. And, and, and so we run everything through that filter, which means we can do a lot of things. But, 
And I think that's important. And I think it, it's, uh, you know, why we do movie nights. Why uh, we have an ice cream truck that the church owns. I don't know if you know that. It's very cool. It's out back. Fran took it out today. We drive the ice cream truck around and we give away free ice cream. Why? Because we're trying to get one more person to, to know Jesus and to love him and to, to come to know him. So what can we do to, to just let people, you know, sort of ponder? So I like people to wonder why we do that. Why do they, what in the world is that about? Free ice cream, that's, a, that's an amazing, why would they, why would a church do that? What would make a church want to act like that? And my hope is it stirs them up enough that they come for a visit and then maybe come for another one or two because when they come, they walk in and then they get breakfast and lunch and dinner and they go, oh, that doesn't make any sense either. What's that all about? And, and I, I, I like to see them just get thrown off enough because here's what happens. When the Spirit of the Lord, who's here, moves on people, he does all, he does amazing things. Wednesday night, when we were doing the Christmas Eve services, there were people all over this place when the Spirit felt just crying and weeping. And they weren't, they weren't regular folks. They just were so not prepared for the Spirit of God when he entered the room that they, it shakes them up and they... There's a longing there for that. See, we created, people were created for that experience. They were created to fellowship with God. And when they're not in fellowship with God, they, but still, when you, when you catch a whiff of it, you get it. Your, your deepest part of you goes, hey, that's it, that's it, that's it. And, and so, you know, whatever we can do to break down barriers and, and then begin to tell people what it's all about, that's what, what, that's what we're trying to do. It's not a, you know, it's by no means a big social gathering, anything else. It's, uh, it's purposely done and prayed about in, in order to live this mission that God is giving us. So knowing this mission helps us to keep on track. Will what we're doing help us to get one more? If it is, we're in. And, uh, and, and it also frees us up to know that, you know, we certainly can't be and do everything uh, in the kingdom, and so we can bless what other ministries do and what other churches do. We don't need to be threatened by them. We can get in there and, and encourage them and bless them wherever we can. Um, we're, we're, not in com- we're never in competition with other believers, ever. The only competition we have is with the evil one. That's the only source of competition we have. And so it frees us up to encourage and to bless and to um, make a difference in the world around us. So um, these verses that I just read through in the scripture reading are pivotal to this whole mission, and we're going to break them down and go through them a little bit at a time. Today we're just going to look at verses 11 and 12, and let's start with um, number one, or point number one in your notes. We know what it is to fear the Lord. Second Corinthians 5.11 says, Since then... We know what it is to fear the Lord. Now, that's a great question, I think. What does it mean to fear the Lord? And the, you, the word that's used there for that concept in the Greek, it has a possible meaning of terror, but that's not what Paul is talking about. Um, in the Old Testament, the, the, the word was better. It was yaira, which um, denotes sort of a piety and a reverence rather than an abject terror. And, and so um, we're to have a reverence for God and the way that we demonstrate that, a lot of times when you're looking at Bible thoughts, um, the best place to define them is from the Bible itself, obviously, and there's a proverb that defines the fear of the Lord, and, and so I, I think that's the one you go with, Proverbs 8.13, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. And I think that, that works really well with our idea that we talk about here of, of living by trying to do the next right thing. You know, we've, we try and give ideas on how this thing works. And, and I've always said, you know, what, the, the best thing I know in, in walking this life out is, is just spend every day living by trying to do the next right thing. We won't always do it. Um, and, and that's when we know we have, you know, we can run to the Father and, and, and straighten things out. But it, it's what we attempt to do. What's the next right thing? That's what I want to do. I want to do the next right thing, Lord, and, and I want to do better all the time. And so to me it's the idea and this this to fear the Lord is to hate evil. It's a 
It's a reminder that the best way to deal with the, with the darkness of evil is to introduce light uh, into the situation. That's what, one of the things I love about a Christmas Eve candlelight service is to watch the room go from dark to light just as those candles are lit across, and it defeats the darkness and the light overcomes the darkness. And so, so we're to let the world know that the true light has entered the world in Christ. So it starts with that. We know what it is to fear the Lord, to, to, be, to reverence the Lord, to, to want to walk for Him and with Him, and so we have that part of the process. Secondly, it's, it says in, uh, that we try to persuade. That's the second point there in your notes. We try to persuade. 2 Corinthians 5.11b, the second part, we try to persuade men, people. So we're trying to persuade people to turn from darkness to light. And our message is still the same today, 2,000 years later, as, it, as the, the good news or the gospel that was preached by Paul. The heart of the gospel message is, is in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 8, sort of the summary of it. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you believe in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. So, so the heart of the gospel message, the heart of the good news, is found in verses 3 and 4. Christ died for our sins, he was buried, and he was raised on the third day. That's the heart of the gospel message. That's, that's what sets people free. That's what breaks people out of darkness into light, is hearing that and, and understanding that and believing that and having faith in what Jesus has done for him, that he died for our sins, that he, he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, and that, that he's made a way for us, and that this event isn't a myth, it's not a story. Um, the reason all those people are in there, it was a witnessed event, and when Paul was writing, a lot of them were still alive. There were eyewitness accounts. Hundreds of eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hundreds of eyewitnesses recorded in Scripture. So that's the good news. That's the heart of what we do. Uh, we're trying to reach one more. We're trying to present to them this simple message. Um, and, and the message hasn't changed. Uh, the, the thing is, though, the culture has changed dramatically and continues to change dramatically. And so the... the um, I don't want to say the trick, but, but what we have to do is figure out how we can present this 2,000-year-old, still amazing message to a culture that's changing dynamically all the time because it, it, we, you can't do the same things you used to do. The, the things that the church did very effectively 50 years ago, 30 years ago, 15 years ago are not as effective now because everything's changed. We have whole new dynamics we have to deal with. The message never changes, but our approach has to change in order to reach out to the culture and, and bring them in. We, we have to somehow be culturally relevant to reach out to folks and not get stuck in the process and, and not get stuck in, you know, the 70s when all those cool things were happening, we, the, but we, we don't live in the 70s anymore or, you know, in the, in the 50s when, that, when those neat things were going on or in the, you know, what's, what's up God up to now? Where's the culture? How can we meet them and present to them this message uh, to persuade them? And it's more than just words um, uh, it, this ministry of persuasion, it's, it's a lifestyle. It's how we live this thing out. 
And so it's, it's the way that we are, try to be culturally reverent um, and, and live out this very counterculture message in front of them is very important. And, and we have to realize that wherever we find people, so now our relationship with the future people of Christ, um, wherever we find those people, we have the opportunity for ministry. And, and it's, a, it's a radical intervention in life expressed in relationships. So we're trying to engage people in sincere relationship um, that, that, that hopefully uh, over time will earn the right to present to them this message. But, but you know, we, if you start by, you have to earn people's, especially today, we really have to earn people's sort of, they got to get that we're not fake, that, that we love them, um, and that even if we were to present to them a message and they reject it, that we would still love them. That's, that's the heart of it. And if we, if we don't earn that level of sincerity, they don't listen to it. And so it's... Um, it's, it's done over time. It's a process. And, and it's one we have to be aware of. And, and uh, you know, we, we always want to keep Jesus at the center of our interactions with others. It's, it's always about Him uh, and what we can do. And, and whatever we do, we're, we're, we want to slowly be pointing people to Jesus. You know, that's the idea. You know, I said we do some of those outreaches to bring people here into the door, but, but that's not the end all. We're, we want them to be one more to Jesus, right? We want them back in. That's what we're shooting at, always. Third, it's not all about us. 2 Corinthians 5.12. I say that here. If you've ever been here, you hear me say it. It's not all about It's some about us, which is really cool. We talked about that. We got, we got some neat stuff in discipleship and fellowship. It's, so it's some about us, but it's not all about us. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.12. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again. And so we need to be aware to live this mission out that the, the world does not revolve around us. We talk about that. Um, we have a tendency to go through life as the center of the universe and we're just not and we really have to work at getting ourselves out of there because we will walk into a situation and our immediate sort of response is how things are impacting us instead of what God might be doing in situations and circumstances and we need to learn to see what that looks like you know what well this is you know um, just to be aware of what's going on so we don't get bogged into it's all about us and that's one of our things that culturally we have to get aware of. We're very used to being sort of consumer driven and, and that's a very much about us thing and that's so fine in our culture but in our, when, we're, when we're in mission it's everything's different. It's not all about us. In fact, we want it to be way less about us and more about him and, and realize that, that you know, this, these are opportunities to, um, for people to plug in to come to know Jesus which is what it's all about and which is why we're here in the process. So it's, it's more than we, we normally see. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So we need to be very much aware of this. We have to be very much aware of the, the tendency we have as the church to sort of circle the wagons and and sort of get inside and, and because it's hard out there. See, that's the reality. It's, it's a mess out there. And if you, you know, we, you can feel pretty safe in here and we kind of like that. I get that. But we lose our impact if we do that. If we circle the wagons, we, we're no longer an impact and a force in the world. And we, we are, you know, like Jesus demonstrated, we're called to hang out with the culture. We're, we're not called to sin by a long shot, but we are called to hang out with... with uh, with the culture at some level so that we can have an impact on it so that we can introduce light into the darkness and if if we just bring all the light into the room and and shut the door so they can't see we don't have an impact and so so we need to understand that you know Jesus always was hanging out with the culture 
he, he didn't join in their sin, but he, he hung out with them and he loved them in a non-judgmental way. That is such a big deal. Don't you love reading the scriptures to see how people were drawn to Jesus? All of them. And it was, it was, across, it was across the board too, you know, because the, the, the religious folks would get mad at him for hanging out with the tax collectors and sinners. But did you notice they were there too? They wanted to be there too. They didn't care for that other group, but they wanted to be with Jesus. There was something about Jesus that was drawing everybody to him. It started from the very beginning. You know that whole, the whole Christmas story, the, the Magi that came, those weren't Jewish. They were, they were you know, Gentile uh, astrologers. They would have been, um, uh, what they were doing was sinful, according to the Old Testament, big time. And they were drawn to Jesus, though. And See, there was a picture of, of how people were going to be drawn to him throughout his ministry. But Jesus loved people, and he did that because he always looked, and this is another big term that we'll get back to. We haven't used it for a while. He always saw the beauty of people's potential. And that's how we have to look at people. See, point four is God sees what's in the heart. Point four, God sees what's in the heart. 2 Corinthians 5, 12. So that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. 1 Samuel 16 and 7. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And, and we need to really sort of, as a people of mission now, we got to take that in. Because when we see people who are not yet in relationship with the Lord, and even people that already are, but, but especially the ones that are not yet, we're going to have to look at them and we're going to have to be very careful not to label them by what we perceive their sin to be. Because once you've labeled them, you treat them differently. The moment you stick a label on them as this or that, you will no longer treat them the way they need to be treated. So how you need to treat them is why you this is as future believers, as, as, as um, you know, people on the way in, as pre-Christians. Sometimes I'll use that term. So I start thinking about them, hopefully the way God does, and don't label them. And then always try and see the beauty of their potential, who they could become in Christ. Because that's how God's dealing. See, aren't you, God always dealt with me that way. Aren't, aren't, I, I don't know about you, but that's how he dealt with me. Aren't you glad that before you knew him, if, if you can remember that time, that he dealt with you like you knew him rather than how you should be dealt with? Do you get that? You, you know, and, and that's what he did for us. And it's amazing that way. So, you know, the, the whole thing is, is when you see people... Um, is, your, is your heart for one more. That's what our mission is. Can you, is, is your heart for that so that, that you can help people in to know Jesus because that's why we're here. That's what we do. That's why the church exists. We're trying to help people um, come to know Jesus. So we're going to be talking about that over the next few weeks and uh, you'll see how a lot of the stuff we do here ties into those verses like 2 Corinthians 5.21 He became sin for us who knew no sin that we do that thing 521, you'll hear me do it at the end of almost every service if you're on the weekends. Be thankful for five things, encourage two people so we can get one more lost child back to dead. That's the verse that came from. Just ways to remember these things. So anyway, we'll be tying into a lot more of that in the weeks ahead, but that's good for now. If you're watching my video, thank you so much. We appreciate you doing that. Uh, TV watchers, if you can come and visit, we'd love to see you here. Go to a website if you need prayer. There's a place to put in your prayer request. We'd be happy to pray for you, and uh, God bless you. We'll see you soon.